0: Well, good morning to all of you. Uh, I hope you're, you're awake. I know your body is here. I pray your mind is here as well. And it is great to have um, all of you here. If you're a guest, a very, very special welcome, as Jeremy said, in both rooms to you. And um, we welcome you in the modern worship service there in our fellowship hall. We worship in two rooms at one time at this hour. So it's a joy to bring everyone together for the preaching of the word this morning. And let me just say this on a morning like today. I am particularly grateful for all the people who serve on Sunday mornings. And they do so many things that we don't see uh, behind the scenes and caring for us and our, everything from the worship teams and our, our guys that run our video. But outside and in the sound, every, I'm just grateful for you on a morning like this. I'm reminded how this place goes because of, of people like you. And so I, I just wanted to say that. Publicly. Luke chapter 12 this morning, you might have looked at your bulletin and the title of today's, uh, sermon is simply this money and things. And we come to a section where Jesus talks about money as he did quite often. And I know what some of you might be thinking right now. Um, and it is this, Oh no, it's coming. <laughs> And uh, whenever you you hear a sermon on money, you hear a, a sermon on possessions, a sermon on things, you might be thinking, oh boy, here it comes. And you become a little uncomfortable or maybe a little bit uptight. I know that feeling. I felt that feeling this past week. And uh, I was in Nashville for for meetings, and maybe this is an indication that your pastor is just getting a little bit older, but I can't quite consume the food that I used to consume, the amounts of it, as well as the types of food, without getting some sort of reflux or indigestion. I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? And so I have a little put uh, little Zantac or a little Gas-X that I have to take to help me get through eating the things that I used to love to eat and the and the amount of food that I used to eat. I have to have that to get going. So this week I'm in a meeting in Nashville and I forgot the Zantac. Didn't bring it with me. And you know how this goes. There's a bunch of guys in a room and a bunch of preachers and they're like Getting ready to go to lunch in downtown Nashville. There's some great places to eat in downtown Nashville. And you know how it is. They're like throwing out, um, let, let's go, let's grab barbecue. Let's go grab burgers. Let's do something. And I knew it was coming. <laughs> I knew I was going to go to a place and I was going to eat or overeat. And I was going to pay a price for it, right? Sure enough, it happened. We went to this incredible uh, restaurant, downtown Nashville. You want me to tell you what I had to eat, or do you want to wait? We won't go through that. It was a lot of food, and, and, you know, sure enough, I get back to the meeting room, start to feel a little bit, working on my sermon that night in the hotel room, and I felt awful. I was uncomfortable, and I was uptight. And I just had to grind my way through it. I got back to the hotel, got some, got some things there. And whenever it comes to sermons on money and possession and things, some of you are like the family decided to go get Mexican and you forgot your Zantec. You know it's coming, right? And you're uncomfortable and you're uptight. And you're uncomfortable, some of you, because here's how you're thinking. And maybe you're a guest here. If you are a guest here, you might be thinking, you know what? This is awkward because I walk in and the pastor is preaching on money. And and he should be preaching on things like faith and love and, and doing good works and mission and the gospel and all these things. He shouldn't be preaching on such intensely personal things like what I earn and what I spend and what I give. He he just shouldn't even be meddling there. It'll be inevitable. Um, It's happened in the past. Hey, uh, I get a note or someone comes up to me and they'll say, Pastor, um, someone was here for the very first time and you preached on money and it didn't go really, really well with them. And and, um, I get it. I I understand that. It it can be uncomfortable. Some of you can get uptight. Because money is an issue where maybe in the past you were brought up in a way where you were taught to give to the, to the church or give and, and you don't do it. And you, yeah, a pastor's gonna play, place a guilt trip on me or you've never taught that whatsoever. And you're... you're um, your perception of pastors and churches is all they care about is just money and they're always wanting our, our, our things, they're always preaching to us about money, yeah, I knew it, and, and you get all uptight one way or the other. Some of you here's the reality. Some of you are like, you know what? You know what? I, I give faithfully. I wish they would give it. whoever they is. I wish they would give faithfully like I give faithfully. Otherwise, we wouldn't be in this mess if they did that. And so whenever these sermons come out, I'm aware of those things. And it's not easy to preach these things. But here is the reality of my job and the reality of what Jesus came to do. That when Jesus came, he's just picking up on some of the themes that are sprinkled all throughout the scriptures. Because the scriptures are filled, absolutely filled with passages dealing with the wisdom of using your money and your possessions well, of the warnings of not using it well. It's from end to end. The scriptures are just loaded with it. And so Jesus comes along and he speaks to it more. Randy Alcorn says this. He speaks to it more than he talks about heaven or hell. Why is that? Because he knows this. It's intensely personal. Absolutely. I don't know what you make. I don't know what, what you spend at home. I don't know what percentage you give to the body of Christ here. What percentage you give to, to parach- I don't know. It's intensely personal, but here's what Jesus came and teaches us in the passage for uh, today. As we begin in this study on, on money and things, he teaches us that it is also intensely spiritual. And he knows this, that there's something about money and things That captures us. And if we aren't freed. From the captivity. Of these things. He knows that spiritually. We might not be everything. He's called us to be. Here's why. I preach this. Because it's in the scriptures. And Jesus talks about it. But I care about your spiritual condition. I care about your where you are with Christ. And this is a big issue when it comes to you either stepping forward with Christ or continuing perhaps where you are. And so we come to Luke 12 this morning and Jesus is going to teach us. And I think there are three things that we're held captive by. And I I just want to bring these out this morning and then put a pause there and continue with what the kingdom looks like next week as really we're coming to the the close of this portion of our series on the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 12 this morning. I hope you have your place. Either find one in the pew rack in front of you there or your digital device, turn that on. You're gonna need it this morning because we're gonna walk through some things. I just want you to hear and I want you to see what Jesus says. I just don't want you to look at me. I want you to look into your text, all right? So Luke chapter 12 this morning. Will you please stand for the reading of the word of God as we commit this time to him? Our mission statement is we exist to make disciples as we encounter God. That's the first step. We do that through his word. So read with me this morning. And it says this, Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? So he said to all of them, take care. And be on your guard against all covetousness or greed for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Drop down to verse 29 of the very same chapter. And Jesus continues, he says, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried for all the nations or all the people groups, all the cultures of the world Look after these things. And your Father knows that you have need of them. But instead, seek His kingdom. And these things will be added to you. So don't be afraid. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide for yourselves with money bags that don't grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. And here's a summary statement. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You may be seated. A wonderful summary statement from Jesus there that reminds us that this is intensely personal. It's your heart, but it's intensely spiritual as well. Here's the big category we want to tackle this morning. And it's simply this, that our greed blinds us to the captivity of money and possessions. Our greed, our discontentment blinds us to how money and possessions can hold us back and keep us captive. And we see this in the, in the opening here is Jesus is, is, uh, is teaching a crowd is around him and someone just steps up and says, Jesus, uh, tell my brother Will you step in and tell my brother that he is cutting me out of my inheritance? So Jesus picks up on this a little bit, and he says, this guy's a little bit discontented. This guy's a little bit, this guy's angry because he doesn't feel he's getting his fair share. And I'm not going to step into mid, in the middle of all this. Rabbis, as they were traveling and teaching, they would often be asked, hey, come in and judge this. So with all of Jesus's wisdom, he could have certainly stepped in and he could have seen the situation, seen through it. He could have reconciled it, but he pulls back and he goes, uh-uh. I'm not going to get into your situation, but I'm going to address a bigger situation. And it is this, that it is very natural for us to be greedy and to be discontent that's just who we are with our money and possessions and things and then he adds this line look at it he says for your life does not consist of money and things, of the possessions that you have. Your life is not characterized. It is not completed by. It is not recognized by your zip code of where you live, by the types of clothes you have or the shoes you have, the type of employment that you have, what your 401k looks like. Your life should not be characterized or valued. There shouldn't be some sense of measurement put on it by money and things and it is easy to fall into that trap that that is what you pursue and value because your hearts are naturally discontent and they want to pursue these other things he gives them a warning and then he tells them a story to back up his point look at this story he says to them verse 16 a story Uh, there's a man It's the land of a rich man produced plentifully. Verse 17. And he thought to himself, this man, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. Here's the natural thing in his mind. Simply tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. So relax, eat, drink, and be merry. If that isn't the American dream summed up, I don't know what is, right? But God said to him, you fool. This night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared. Whose will they be? And Jesus says this, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. All right, so here's the very first trap that we fall into. Here's here where we're held captive. All right. We're captured, first of all, by our self-sufficiency. Here's what we see in this man. Jesus makes it very, very clear. This man is incredibly self Sufficient. He is self-driven. He is self-motivated. And he is living and he is planning and he is working for himself. And so look at how many times. Go home and read it. Count it. How many times do you hear the word I, my, Mine there, and Jesus is given a snapshot with just one simple story he 's opening up our minds as, and our hearts as to how we often think about money and possessions that we are the ones who provide, so therefore we are the ones who have earned the right to do with the money and possessions the things that we have so dutifully worked for we 're self sufficient and and, and here 's the the kingdom. Uh, flip that needs to occur when it comes to money we don't need to see money as ours that we are the owners but instead God is the owner of all things and we are simply the managers and the stewards somehow we've got this flipped the other way around that we are the owners that we are self-sufficient and God has simply uh, is just simply blessing us so that we can control everything that we own and use it as we want and here's the trap That we fall into in this uh, thinking that we're self sufficient is that we have put our work, we have put our trust in ourselves to produce for ourselves. And it's dangerous. And our money and our possessions and our things become our savior. I mean, this guy, he's got it wired, doesn't he? He's content. I mean, if, if this is not why you earn a living and work hard and think well, then what else is there? I mean, eat, drink, be merry, relax. It's all good. I've got it. What, what else is there? And God comes to him and he reminds him, you are not entirely self-sufficient because I'm going to require your soul from you. And when you stand before me, then you'll begin to understand just how meaningless these things are. When Jesus is speaking these things, these, these farmers there are, are shaking their head. A- and they're thinking, you know what, We we, we recognize this because when it comes to our farms, the the weather can have an impact on us. Disease can come into our crops and we are entirely dependent upon God. And, and this guy struck it rich and he thinks it's all because of his hard work and all because of his ability. And so therefore he's got it mixed up and they got to be shaking their heads saying, okay, God, we're, we, we need to be dependent upon you. And everything that comes to us is not because we're good enough and we work hard enough. Everything that comes to us is because God has given you the ability and God has given you the grace to do that now when he does that you turn around and you work hard you work mightily as to the Lord and not to other people you work to provide for your family you work to provide for the needs of the church you work to provide for the needs of others you take what God has given you in his grace and you go after it for the glory of God but Jesus says but hold it if you think that your work and your ability is your savior it is not regarding as being self-sufficient. See yourself as entirely dependent upon God. Here's the second thing we see in this story, is that we 're captured by our self-indulgences, by the things that we desire, and our money and our things fall more in line with the culture standards of what we want rather than the kingdom standards of what God wants. Here he wants to eat, he wants to drink, he wants to be merry. He sets up these barns. Can you imagine driving down the road? Can you imagine walking down the road, riding down the road? Here's the construction going on. He's tearing down the smaller barns. I remember in Atlanta, front page of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, not uh, when we were there. And there's this story about how all throughout the suburbs of Atlanta, they're tearing down these smaller homes and these lots because of the zip code where people live. And people are coming in and they're paying big money for these homes because it's a, it's, a very, um, it's a very desirable area. And they're tearing down the smaller homes and they're buying the land and they're building up these bigger homes. Front page story about how um, these mansions are being built where there were these smaller homes. And when you go by, here, here's what you would think. If you drive by that subdivision, look at those people. They're doing incredibly well. You are much better than I am. I can tear down the home. They can put up another home. And here's the danger as people, as we, all of us, pursue money and things and our own desires in alignment with the culture. The danger is that we not only serve a savior when it comes to money with our own self-sufficiency, but we also serve status symbols as well. And we're captured by that. It's just how we think and it can happen so easily. It, it happened to me this past week. I was flying home from Nashville, and and I, I walk up to the ticket counter. And um, I, I don't fly a whole lot. I, I, I don't fly as much as some of you as some of you guys. Some of you guys fly so much that when you retire from your work, the airline is going to give you one of their seats. I, I know that. So much some of you guys. Fly. I'm not like that. I, I don't fly overseas. I don't. I don't do all of that. And so I, I walk up to the gate and um, the the uh, gentleman there is like, um, yeah, do you have a bag to check in? I said, yeah, I, I do. And I knew I had to pay for that because nowadays the airlines, they make you pay for everything. You're wearing those glasses. That'll be $50. $50. You're wearing that belt. I mean, be $25. So I walk in. Yeah. Um, can I get my receipt for um, paying for that? He goes, no, it's free. Oh, really? That's nice. That's great. Th- thank you. Why is that? Well, you're, you're, you're a sky priority member. Uh I am. I I didn't know that I was a sky priority member. And my first thought was run, you know, just get out of there. But he's like, Hey, let me check. I'm like, okay, go ahead and check. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine, man. Just take it and and run with your sky priority. member. he goes, Hey, boarding, you get to board early this time because, um, you're, you're one of the, and I, I didn't know that honestly, I I didn't know. I just don't fly that much. And so sure enough, I look at my um, boarding pass and it says, normally it's like zone three or four or zone 10 or 12 or zone 25, whatever it is. And I'm like, wow, I can actually board when all these other big guys get to board on the plane. And so sure enough, um, it came time to board. I was right on the plane first and I promise you, I'm not lying. Why do pastors have to always say that? I promise you, I'm not lying. I, when I look at my seat number, it says B3. Now, I looked at it on the way in, and I'm thinking, B3, I'm near the front of the plane. That's cool. I get home, get to get, uh, make my connection in Atlanta, and get, get home pretty quick. That's awesome. So I go walking in, and I, I'm looking at the seat, and it's like, B, wait, what is, is that true? B3 is, is first class. I flung first class once in my entire time. Just one time. Not, not like some of you guys. I flew one one time. And so I sit down in this seat, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to act like I know what I'm doing, right? And I sit down in this seat, and all these people are, are coming down. All these people are coming down the aisle. And whenever I come down the aisle for row 68B normally is where I am, right? Whenever I go by, I look at these guys, and I'm like, man, isn't that nice? What do they do? You know, that, what what they what did these guys? I wish I could live the kind of life these guys live. I go to the back and I'm crammed in the back with with everyone, and, and so for the for the first time in it, since a long, long time, I'm there and I'm just you know. Hey, sir, can we get you anything? And you know, you need snacks, two times snacks. I don't get any snacks in row 68D back there. And water, Any anything you need. And, and then when it comes time to leave, you know what the deal is. You get to grab your bag and you're out. And you're out before any of those jokers back in the in the, in the back. So you are free. And I'm thinking, that was an incredible experience. How much does this cost, right? How much, how often do I get to do this? And I instantly thought, how quickly does our heart grab on to those things and those indulgences and those desires that make us feel comfortable, make us feel good. It's just natural. It's just, you don't even have to think about it. And Jesus says. The kingdom is different. You've got to guard against that. You, you, you have to steal your heart against being held captive by, the, by your indulgences, by your desires, by the things that you want. He says, if not, you, you, you'll become captured by that and you'll live for those things and, and it'll be, become just a part of who you are. But all right, so verse 21, he says, look at it. Verse 21, he says, so, so, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself. It is not rich toward God. So is the one who, this is the mindset that that you're captured by these things. This is the mindset of the one who fill, I like one translation. I think it was the message that said, who fills up his barns with himself and gives nothing to God. This is the mindset. And so then he continues. Here's the third warning. Verse 22, quickly. And he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, Don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body, more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them of how much more value are you than the birds. All right. So here's the third thing we're captured by. We're captured by worry. Over having more or having enough. This is how we live day to day. We're captured by by the worry, the anxiety of having more or having enough. Jesus comes in right on the on the heels of this, and he says, "Okay, here's the thing. Some of you worry. You're just anxious." You're anxious about money. You're anxious about things. You're anxious about possessions. You're anxious about your retirement. You're anxious about all of these things. And he says, listen, I I just want to tell you this. Some of you, your hearts are weighed down by worry, but your father knows your worry. Your father knows what you need. He says at the end there, and he says, and he gives a couple of examples. He says, listen, your father loves you so much and values you so much that these ravens, these big, Black birds. I mean we, we have a couple of these of these guys in our neighborhood. I don't know if they're ravens or they're crows. I, I can't tell the difference between the two. They're in the same family, I guess. But these guys in my neighborhood, I don't know about you, but they look like a bunch of B-52s flying in our neighborhood. These guys are huge and they make all this noise and I and I'm thinking These guys don't have a garden in my backyard. They don't have a place that they go to and they they buy food. They don't knock on my door and say, I need help. The father, Jesus says, the father takes care of these birds. In the Old Testament, ravens were considered unclean. They weren't the the birds that you keep in your house and and you take care of. They're unclean. You don't touch them. They're not worthy of you to be be anywhere near you. And Jesus says to to, to everyone looking around, these unclean, filthy animals, guess what? God values them and cares for them. How much more does he care for you? Stop being anxious and stop worrying so much. He continues. Read with me, verse 25. And he says, and of which of you by being anxious... Can add a single hour to his span of life. Some of you worry way too much about your life. He says, if then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Keep going. Verse 27. Consider the lilies. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory, one of the greatest kings, one of the most wealthiest kings of the Old Testament, one of the most powerful men in all the world known for his possessions and his things, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow, and it's thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? So Jesus looks at the crowd and he says this, look around you. You see the flowers there. These aren't the lilies that you. Um, these aren't the flowers you went to, to Home Depot or the garden shop this past week, and you store them in your garage because if you would have put them out last night, they'd be frozen stiff this morning. And you have them in your garage. You got you got a sheet over them, blanket over them. And then you're going to go out when it gets nice and warm. You're going to dig a hole. You're going to plant it, and you're going to put fertilizer in there. You're going to water it. The sun's going to come in. You're going to care for that thing. You're going to make sure it has everything it needs so that that flower can become really, really pretty. And it can make your your landscaping look good. Those aren't the flowers. These are the flowers, lilies. They're wildflowers, the ones that just grow on the side of the road. You ever go down the interstate sometime, and you look in the median there, and there's these beautiful colors, and you're like, who planted those? I know my tax dollars didn't go to plant those things, right? They're absolutely beautiful. And here's what Jesus is saying. Some of you feel... Some of you feel not worthy. You feel anxious and you're distraught. Or some of you are so worried about what you're going to wear. And you spend all this excessive amount of time on your food and on your clothes. And he says, listen, the father knows. And he asks you to live a kingdom way. And that's a more simple way. He knows what you have need of. He will provide for you. So why, like the flowers, why aren't you acting like them? They don't work. They don't toil or spin or get all in a tizzy. I punched in this week as I'm going through this. How much time do you spend picking out clothes? (laughs) I I looked at that because, because, um, and and here's here's what came up. I'll tell you the answer. Here's what came up. Glamour Magazine from a year ago said this. Glamour Magazine said, Um, There's uh, a study that was done, 2,500 women I, I didn't do the study. I just was looking for the research. Okay, and it said 2,500 women, and it's based on an, on adult lifetime from age 16 to 60. Found that women spend an average, and men are guilty too. All right, men are guilty too of, of of wanting to know: Does this look good? Does this look okay? We stand in front of front of that closet. I know some. I know some of you do. We're guilty too. It found that women spend an average. You ready? Of 16 minutes on weekday mornings and 14 minutes on Saturdays and Sundays wondering what they are going to wear. Does that sound about right? For a whopping, you ready? Over a lifetime, the average woman spends in front of their clothes a whopping 287 days figuring out what you're going to wear. Almost a whole year of your life. And guys are guilty too. And here's the point. The father says, I'll take care of you. So where's your thinking? Just not, it's, it's not all about whether you're going to match in the morning. That's that's not the point. The point is, where's your mind? Where's your heart? Are, are you more concerned and worried about being self-sufficient and self-indulgent and whether you have enough or you, you, you have whatever it is? It is that you think others think you should have. And the Father says, Flip your thinking upside down. Don't be captured by those things. This is what we just naturally do. And He says this, and we'll close. He says, Don't seek, verse 29, what you're to eat and what you're to drink. Nor be worried it doesn't mean don't strive don't don't pursue work and employment to provide food and drink and a house and all of those things that we need those basic necessities he's not saying that 1 Thessalonians says if you have the ability to work and you don't provide for your house you're worse than an unbeliever he's not saying don't work he's saying work but don't worry For all the nations, all the peoples, all the cultures. This is what they do. They seek after these things. And your father knows you need them. Now, here it is. Here's the pivot. So instead, seek his kingdom. And all these things will be added to you. One writer said this. Seeking the kingdom means that we, instead of money and possessions, pursue relationships with God, with his will, with his ways in the kingdom of God, money and possessions look differently than in our culture and in our lives. It's upside down in the kingdom. Money and possessions are owned by God and they're lent to us for our needs and for others and for eternity. But in our minds, money and possessions are owned by us earned for our needs and for our desires and for today. So seek the kingdom. Jesus says next week we'll learn about what the kingdom looks like as we continue in our series. Let's pray together. Father, we are indeed held captive by our sin. And we're reminded of that. Often. And particularly when it comes to the things we desire and the things we're dependent upon and the things that drive us. And so, Father, we confess that we're held captive by what the culture deems valuable. And so, Lord, we we confess that this morning. And, Lord, we, we don't beat ourselves up. We don't. We don't take ourselves to task. We simply come and bow our hearts before the cross this morning. And by the incredible work that Jesus has performed in the new life of the, of the resurrection, we, we ask for forgiveness and we, we yield. There's just something about confession. There's just something, Father, about us not holding on so tight. There's just something about our hearts and our minds when we just let go. Free. We're, we're free by, by the work of Jesus, by his death and his strain and his suffering. We're free. And so we open up ourselves to you and we confess we 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 respond this morning there's something in this week when it comes to money and things it's going to hit us we're going to be walking um we're going to be walking down the road of this week we're going to be walking down life this week and it's going to hit us and, and it's going to be father there's a, a there's a intersection between the kingdom way and our way help us by your grace to choose the kingdom way and watch you work so, Lord, I, I present your people to you, and I intercede for them, and I ask for them. Lord, you free them, and then may they live with great joy with what they have. May they live with great joy. May they be incredibly gracious with what they have as we pursue the kingdom together, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.